I have today as a very special guest, a fellow trauma recovery coach and the author of this wonderful new book called Rest, Restorative Response System Theory, Taking the Science of Healing Soul Deep. Uh, so I've got Pepper Joy Greggs with me today, and she asks us to ask ourselves, what if trauma responses were not seen in a negative light or as a broken function of the brain? She invites us to think that just as we have genetic code to survive trauma, we also, we also possess the code for restoration and thriving. So please, everybody, well, join me as I welcome Pepper Joy Greggs. Thank you for having me. So glad that you're here. It's so good to see you. I haven't seen you in a while. And so it's lovely to see your smiling face. I miss you. <laughs> I miss you too. Okay. So if uh, you know and have listened to my podcast, my first question is usually a question, an origin story question. And sometimes mm-hmm. it's the origin of the person. But I'm actually curious, what is this rest theory? Mm-hmm. And when did you actually know that this book needed to be written? Yes, yes. So rest is in the in the most simple definition. Most people know about fight and flight as survival responses, but as coaches, we know that it's fight, flight, freeze, and fawn. And of course, they continue to add Fs to this list, but we're sticking with the four. <laughs> They're adding more? What did they add this time? flop feign um but they're like subsets of the other f like you know like how freeze has the hyper freeze and the hypo freeze um so so not to confuse anyone else with that but like fight flight freeze and fawn are the focus and my theory states that if those are the survival reactions then there are restorative responses and we call them rhythm, rise, resolve, and reframe. So for fight, you have rhythm. For flight, you have rise. Freeze is resolve. And fawn is reframe. And so what these do basically is is honoring the trauma reactions that you have, the natural You know, if you go into fight to tell you to stop fighting is not going to work. Your hippocampus has come offline. There's no, no compute. But if I see you in that state and I start nodding my head or, or maybe I'd start tapping or some in some way, shape or form, give you a rhythm. And like, when you think of the art of war, there is wide, there's marching, there's cadence. It's all about rhythm to take you to war, right? And so this is just one example of how I work through honoring these trauma responses, which are perfectly normal reactions to abnormal situations and allowing them a channel and a safe way and an appropriate way to completion and get you back into your window of capacity. And so that's the that's the basic simplest way to kind of frame the theory and yeah, how and it I, works. I mean, part of why I love this so much is, and I think because one, we were trained, you know, in a similar way, but also I think we think in a more similar way is really normalizing this for people. And because yes. that that kind of takes away a little bit of that extra layer of shame. Yes. That, that sort of like really like weighs you down, right? Because if you mm-hmm. can say like your body's doing exactly like what, what, what is it? Yeah. So it's like there's no need to feel shame. 
Exactly. Yeah, it, it is, is powerful. So yeah. then tell me, how did you know that this book needed to be written and your course needed to be taught? Yes. So I, you know, I've always been one that believes when it comes to healthcare and especially mental health care, it should be accessible to everyone. There is no reason that because you didn't go to college or because you didn't complete high school, even whatever, if you, you don't even need to know how to read, if you can listen, that is so that, that means this is accessible to you. And, um, and so it was my desire early on that if, if the ancestors, as I say, felt the need to share this with me, then it was my responsibility to make sure that this was out there for the world. And that is my goal. That is what I'm striving for. So I, I wrote this, um, I was actually doing Linda Ty's class, which is a somatic embodiment and resiliency class. And after the first class, when she presented to us the window of capacity and she lined it up with the autonomic nervous system, my mind exploded. And I was like, wait a second. Like, I just hadn't seen it framed like that before. And I, I knew a lot of things through the association, you know, and, and so to see it lined up like that, it was like, if this is true, if this is, and it is right. Like it's science. If this is true, then so is rest. And it just like came to me. I, I, I sat down after her first class. Now my, my darling husband was like, this is his first exposure to this. So he's like, Oh my God, this is like a college course of <laughs> amazingness yes. that I have to go sit and soak in. Right. Yeah. So he goes and like, has to lay down and like, just soak in this information. Right. And I'm like, I can take this and make it more accessible. I can take this and make it. And, and Linda Ty does a wonderful job of getting you there, yeah. but I felt like I can do it. So I sat down that night and I, her, her class ended somewhere around seven or 8 PM in our time zone by 3 AM. I had the entire thing lined out and, and it was probably four days of hardcore. Mm-hmm. Like I just couldn't even get this book out of my guts fast enough. And it was like, these are all the things I need to cover. I need to address shame. I need to address somatics. I need to, because to, to in my mind, healing trauma is mind, body, soul work. 100%. So I really felt this desire to make sure that, that I included all of the being and honored whatever their orientation to that space might be. And so, yeah, so I, so then I, and I was like, once I get this out, then I need to build a, like, I go right into building the course. I go right into building the workbook. I go right into like, this is what it needs to be. And I, and I sent it to um, Bobby, who is the president of our association. And I said, just let me know what you think. And she, she texts me (laughs) and she's like, this this needs to go worldwide. Yeah. yeah. So, so we started working on a plan of like, how are we going to get this out there and make it accessible? And, and she was like, I want you to use our platform. I want you to, 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 you know, get this out to our students. And, and it's something that especially first year coaches, it makes it, it gives them like this concrete, like we're not just using concepts. Now we have concrete exercises that include Mm. mind, body, and soul. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Because you do kind of at each stage and each chapter sort of gently ask the questions Mm -hmm. 
and sort of you 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 have examples and you, you make it come alive uh, mm-hmm. for everyone and it's very accessible language like it's the science is there but right. like you're explaining things right but you're making it very accessible for people to kind of go through that and and practice the healing uh, for yeah. themselves yeah what an amazing way to help people with healing because that's more accessible than two hundred dollars an hour you know with mm-hmm. somebody for five years or something like that right like because yeah. it adds up doesn't it oh um, yeah absolutely yeah. So that's amazing. Okay, well, so my next, this kind of segues into my next question because, you know, again, we're both from the International Association of Trauma Recovery Coaching. Yet you know, we've gone through the initial, we've gone through uh, the advance, you know, and mm-hmm. there, there's some great, there's more certifications if we mm-hmm. want to keep going. And there's there's continuing education forever because we have such amazing people out there you yes. know, teaching these things. Mm-hmm. So what I'm curious uh, for you to answer is what is that difference between what has been taught and practiced in the mental health field, you know, all this time versus mm-hmm. what it is that we're learning uh, from the perspective of trauma recovery coaching. Yeah. So um, I shared recently in another interview, how whenever I first entered the space of trauma recovery, not knowing that's what it would even be called. I just knew I needed therapy. Right. Mm-hmm. As most of us enter that space, like, we're just like, I need, I'm broken. I need therapy. Right. I need broken. I'm broken. And I need therapy. Right. That is mm-hmm. absolutely mm-hmm. what's in your head. Like I cannot make this work. I am broken. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And- And and I don't have the language and I don't have like the slightest understanding. And so, you know, I, I, I remember that the first few diagnoses that I got were felt like what I call doomsday diagnosis. hundred percent. Yeah. You're going to have chronic PTSD. You're going to have chronic depression. You need to be on these medications. You should be in these therapies. And it was like, you know, yeah. And it was just like, and, and the, and then you go through, I went through that horrible trial and error of medications and like being on this one for 30 days, is it working? Is it not? And then three months later, am I, am I still, is it still working for me or is it, I, you know, and I'm like, this is not, I felt more crazy 100%. while on the medication trial. Oh my gosh. And, yes. And, yeah. And I was like, I'm trauma bonding with my healing. Yeah. Oh, I'm not healing. Gosh. Oh my gosh. Yes. So then I, so then I, I'm like, I'm going to join support groups, you know, and I was a very proactive person in my healing journey. I wanted the support groups. I, I'm like, I can't possibly be alone. I cannot be that special. You know, I cannot be so unique that I'm the only one who's ever gone through this level of trauma. And I found different support groups. And then lo and behold, here is Bobby Parrish on Twitter with trauma talks and she's holding like these, these hashtag groups. So you pop in the hashtag and you're part of this chat on Twitter and talking about your trauma and talking and and reading other people's, you know, 140 character trauma blurbs. And it's just like, wow, there are so many of us out here. And, uh, and so here I, here I go. So Bobby starts teaching us. uh, I start, I joined the association in February of 2018. And I'm learning that like, I have healing within me. I don't, like I start working my way off the medications. I start telling my story. I start getting vernacular. I start feeling armed and empowered versus at the mercy of my trauma. And so 
we the 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 other part that I love that the association teaches, but I really dive into on this book is that this is ancestral knowledge that has been removed from us. And Western psychology especially teaches us that we have to look outside ourselves for the answer and for healing. And in my journey, it's always been inside. I just had to figure out where to find it there. And part of that was learning how to love my most trauma, traumatized self. And, you know, just when you're just hard because that we were not taught how to do that. No, because that's, that's shamed, right? Like yeah. it's shameful to have trauma. It's shameful to be diagnosed. It's shameful to be on medication, you know, and then there's, um, there's a societal conditioning, there's cultural conditioning, there's all these factors, right? But, but as I continue to walk through my journey, I just start realizing like I have, I have ancestors who have walked this path before me and they've in my reptilian brain imprinted everything I need to know about how to react in a traumatic situation through fight, flight, freeze, and fawn. And if that's true, did they just live in survival their whole lives? Like, was there ever a time that that wasn't the case? And it's like, what would that look like? There are ancient cultures that show that um, there was thriving. There was absolutely abundance and wealth. Mm -hmm. and, And I define wealth as resources, not necessarily monetization, right? So to me, it was like, so it's there, they know how to take care of each other. They know how to, you know, so I start looking at ancient medicine and I'm looking outside of Western medicine and big pharma. And it just keeps coming to me in bits and pieces of like, this has always been here, you know, and it it kind of felt like, it kind of felt like the universe was just like doing this like trail of breadcrumbs of like, it's here, keep going, keep going. Or the universe definitely saying it's inside of you. And you don't quite know it. You're not quite aware of it yet. Yes. But let's help you find that. And now you can help other people find it. Um, I I love uh, everything that you said. I think this wisdom of requiring some kind of external expert or external validation is dangerous because it, it, it causes us to say, that we're helpless, you know, that, that we can't do it ourselves. And, and that's really not the case in healing because you actually, it has to come from within. It has to, even for medication to work or even for therapy to work or any, any of those different modalities uh, or, or somatics. Like some people are so stuck that they can't connect to the somatic side. All of that requires something from within. All of it requires the healing. Yeah. Yourself. Yeah. And if we don't, if we don't learn how to start within and how to love our worst part, and we don't, we self-abandon when we start looking outside ourselves. And if we're doing that, we make ourselves vulnerable to all the predators out there. And there are lots. And there are lots. And they are, and there are wolves in sheep's clothing. And I'm not saying that's every therapist and every doctor and all of that, but you know, it's a reality of people seeking healing that once you're a trauma survivor, you become a target to stay in that space. There's blood in the water. And so that's why. Because when you say thriving, you said, you know, uh, your ancestors, they did thrive. And when you get caught up in this cycle with, you know, there's something wrong with me, I'm broken. It's very Mm -hmm. difficult to feel that hope of ever being able to thrive. Like you just, it's the furthest thing from what you think is possible. 
Yeah. But that's not your destiny. You're right. That's exactly what it feels. That's exactly what it feels like. It feels like you're permanently broken. And what you're saying is that's not true. No. And and this is how. Exactly. Exactly. Which brings me to chapter four, somatics Mm -hmm. and the soul. Yep. So I'm going to quote something that you wrote that I loved. It really jumped out at me. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. In this quote, you say in rest, you recognize that your last $20 is not the end of the world. You breathe, you resource yourself according to what your body is telling you, and you move forward. There's no way to eradicate trauma from the experience of life. There's no sane reason for suffering it for the entirety of life either. So when I read this, I was like, ah, yes, I totally agree. hundred percent. And what I find is that when people finally buy into this, like when they, when they actually read something like this or hear something like this and go, aha, Mm -hmm. then they go, but how, but how, tell me how, like, how do I do this? Like, what do, like, what do I do now? I get it. I get it. I buy it. Like I buy what you're saying. Right. And now in this book, you actually give them the model. So I'm wondering if you can give us, you know, a short version of what this model is. And you, you kind of touched on that earlier. Yes. Yes. So, so the $20, like if you're, if you're doing well and you have 20, a $20 bill to spend, um, you're blowing on something probably because you're not in need, right? You have, it's, it's a luxury at that point, but if it's your last $20, the temptation and the, and the response of your autonomic nervous system moves right into survival, hundred percent, you know, and, and, and it's, do I eat or do I feed, feed this person or, you know, like in my life that I, you know, things like that start bubbling up and, and it feels desperation enters the space. And in the theory, you know, it's like when you feel that, then you start asking yourself, is this fight, flight, freeze, or fawn? And we define in the book what those are. And it's also important to know that you can be in more than one of those responses at the same time. And when you start to recognize it, this is a practice, right? Like life is practice. So you're going to practice this. You're going to find yourself going, okay, let me try. Let me try a rhythm response. Let me go something like my, my little one and I, he'll get, he'll be frustrated. And I'm like, let's go stomp. And we'll just temper tantrum stomp our way to the bedroom. And it's a rhythm. And then he gets into the thump, 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 thump. And then it's this, it's this fight response that is being, that, that is being reacted. It's a reaction that we respond to with an appropriate outlet, allowing this thing to resolve, allowing my child to safely express themselves and allowing them to, you know, you get to stomping and at some point you start giggling because this is just silly, (laughs) but that's so true. But, you know, that I, if I've learned anything, it's in watching my little one grow up and, and, you know, have the temper tantrums and act out and do these things. Like we've been taught that these are shameful behaviors and they need to be trained out of it. And the truth is, is I'm like, this is ancestral knowledge and wisdom that my little one is acting out because they don't have other ways to resource themselves. It's my job to teach them to tap into, Ooh, Ooh, I see you in a very clear fight response. Let's go stomp. Yeah. Let's and go march. Like Whatever. let's let's use that energy yeah. and then turn it from this chaotic kind of yep. um rage. And yes. as you get into the rhythm, it, it moves into a, a calming kind of like, oh, okay, uh, this is predictable. I can feel it. I'm letting the energy out and absolutely and, uh, amazing. Okay. And so you're doing that for each of the responses, and that's the how. Like you're actually yes. saying, yes, there is a how. 
Like, buy, yeah. uh, understand that this is the situation. And if you're buying into it, let me now show you the how. Yeah. And I don't want anyone to ever feel like your trauma responses are wrong mm-hmm. or that they should not be expressed. If it's a bubbling up for you, then it's all about how can I meet it? How can I appropriately resolve this? How can I get back into my window of capacity with this? Because it's there for a reason. So let's honor it. Um, you know, and so like for, for, for flight, it's rise. It's, we often go into this. I got to run away. I got to run away. And my question is, where are you running to? Where's that safety? Because if you don't know where you're running to, you might run into more danger. Because you're so focused on the escaping that yes. your your brain, obviously your prefrontal cortex is offline, right? So it's not going like, excuse me, dude, like that's actually more risky. Like it, you, yeah. you're not listening. No, you're not listening. Not yeah. Like at all. Right. Yeah. So, so have a safe place to run to. And if I have to run, where am I running to? And in the book, I give the example of sometimes it makes sense why someone runs towards a fire. And sometimes it makes sense why they run from the fire. The the other side of this is that you are not going to always be able to understand why that is the trauma response you went into, but there's no shame in that. No, I agree. Your body knew better than you did. Your body knew better than you did. And what you're telling people too, is that they actually don't have to go into re-traumatization of like, okay, well, let's figure out exactly where this came from and let's go relive that again. You're actually just saying to them, the responses are the responses Yep. and, and that's okay. And yeah. here's how we can move and there, here's how we can shift. Here's how we can move. So they don't actually have to go into more pain right. to resolve this pain. No, it's stay wherever you are is wherever you are. It's, and it's for a reason. So, you know, it's, it's your intuition, trust it and go with it and then, and then respond. Right. So these are trauma reactions and then we have restorative responses. And I have seen in my practice that if I am responding to you, if I see you in an active trauma reaction, then I become the, what I call the dominant nervous system in the space. Yep. 100%. I can help regulate you back to a restored space. hundred percent. I usually say to clients, um, you can borrow my nervous system for now, right? Like, yes, I and, love that. Yeah. So similar idea um, mm-hmm. as in like, that's okay. Like, you know, that's what we're here to do, right? Yeah. Like let's, let's work on this together. So yeah. you've talked about. Um, Fight and flight. Yeah. And then, sure. then it's freeze and fawn. Yes. So freeze is resolve um, because thawing doesn't start with R. Um, but, but resolve is if you're in a frozen state, this is such a perfect opportunity to get present. Yeah. Because freeze freeze is like when you're disassociating, like when you're kind of like, you're just, you're not connected. You can't even feel it. You don't feel exactly. Yeah. You can't, you can't even, um, I had a situation where we were in a group and things started going sideways and some of the group members acted like nothing happened. And when we addressed them later, they were like, uh, looking back, I was in a freeze response. And then I moved to a fawning response, which was the acting like nothing happened. And this is a very common cycle of survivors, right? Of course. So if you're in a freeze, it's you address it much like you would a panic attack, which is put your feet on the floor and start just kind of do a body check. What am I feeling? What am I tasting? What am I smelling? What am I hearing? And then once you've checked in with your senses, what is this moment? Is this like the end of the world or does it just feel like the end of the world? 
most of the time it feels like it. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Feel that out, you know, but if, but, but what it does is if you can even acknowledge that it just feels like the end of the world, you can cry that out, scream that out and, and you move into a restorative space. And there's the hyper freeze and the hypo freeze. So the hyper freeze is more of that deer in the headlights freeze, right? So, so, and then there's the hypo freeze, which is like play possum. And you'll see that one more. And, and it's interesting because I consider the hyper freeze more anxiety related and the hypo freeze more depression related. Isn't that funny? So uh, when, when people talk about, oh, I have anxiety or I have depression, the cause is similar. It's that yes. they go into different yes. directions. Yes. And then, so because the cause is similar, therefore what you're saying is actually the, the, the fixing or the, the bringing you back that answer is similar as well. Yeah. Because anxiety comes from worrying about the future and depression comes from being stuck in the past. hundred percent. Oh my goodness. And when you're stuck in the past, you can't see forward. And when you're stuck in the future, you can't be in this moment. And so when you're frozen, it's such a great time to just settle into your body. This is beautiful. I love it. I love that's, that's the freeze. And then for fawn, it's about reframe. So fawning is considered one of the more conditioned responses from childhood trauma, especially. Yeah. And and it is the one that we will self-abandon to the point we might even participate in our own trauma. And this one also carries with it a ridiculous shame bind. And so the first thing is we've got to recognize like when you hit that shame bind or you, is it attack, self-attack, other denial, withdrawal. Okay. Those are, that's how, you know, shame is present. And then when you recognize that, then you're in, you go to fawning and you're like, what's the, what's the rest of the story? As I say, oftentimes people who fawn and who are stuck in that shame bind with fawning are telling themselves a narrative of, I deserve it. I did, I did wrong. I'm not worthy, whatever that is. And that tells me that while that's their truth, it's not the whole truth. It's not the rest of the story. And so that can be true while also marrying it with, you did that because you were in survival. You, you had to, to make it out alive. Look at you for being able to go that deep in survival to stay alive and be here today with me in this moment. How beautiful is that? I am so sorry that you went through that hell, but I am so grateful that you are here and let's reframe this and you reframe it through compassion. You reframe it through courage. You reframe it through curiosity. Three C's. I love that. I like to think of it as also zooming out sometimes because Mm -hmm. we're so zoomed in on that one thing that that's all we can see. Yeah. And when you, and as you talk about reframing it, you're saying, don't frame it here. Like, you know, this is a tiny dot. Yeah. Let's zoom right out and reframe and see the whole picture, the real picture. It doesn't mean that that dot's not true. You're saying, right. You're saying that, but it's only one dot. Yeah. And, and it's, it's so important to not let ourselves get so hyper-focused on framing ourselves in a moment, in a moment. Oh, you have a whole collective of ancestors and people who, who do care about you, who do matter and you matter and you're enough as evidenced by the fact that rest exists. You're enough. You're it's enough. In you. 
I love that. Oh my gosh. I, I could talk about this with you forever, but I can't. <laughs> you have more, you have some important meetings coming up later. So we're going to come to our last question yes. and you talk about ancestors and you actually use Encanto um, mm-hmm. as an example in your book. So I hope that when people read the book, they can you know relate to that part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of reminds me of the time in our class when we started singing a song, but um <laughs> So my last question and conclusion is this, okay? And this is a question that's really important because most of my listeners and the people that work with me um, work with me through my sandwich parenting uh, branding. And it's about being in the middle, right? Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. it's about being the generation uh, between the generation that raised you and the generation that you're raising. So Mm -hmm. if you could give one piece of advice to parents who are trying to break intergenerational trauma, which we know is really, really hard to do. Mm -hmm. uh, What would that piece of advice be? Talk about Bruno. (laughs) It's, you know, it's, uh, love it. Talk about Bruno because, because if you talk about Bruno and you look at like, why did he behave the way he did? And, and stop looking at it as he was wrong. He misbehaved. He did naughty things. If you start looking at it as he was in a perhaps survival mode, and then if that is true, then how can we get him, respond to him in a restorative way? How can we then, you know, again, when, when Bruno was acting out uh, as, as they would label him to have been doing and shame was present. The thing is, is that again, those behaviors are actually ancestral wisdom. They mean something. Mm. And so take this pressure off of yourself to be like, my child is misbehaving or, or this person is misbehaving, like pull back, mm. you know, get that wider frame, get right. That wider frame. And, and then start, what's the rest of the story here? Where's the deeper truth? And let's respond accordingly. Because when we start practicing that and honoring this ancestral wisdom and behavior that otherwise might irk or shame or upset us, then we create a safe space for connection. We remove control from the situation. And that is relationship. And that is how you break patterns and cycles. So talk about Bruno. So we do talk about Bruno. Yes, we do. <laughs> you and I are about to break out in song, aren't we? Oh. I know. I'm like bouncing like a little in my seat right now. <laughs> oh my gosh, it was so wonderful uh, to see you in this capacity. I uh, can't wait. I've I've had a chance to skim through the book, but I'm gonna you know uh, get my own copy, hopefully uh, signed by the author, um, and uh, share it with my clients. Uh, because I think it's a powerful, it's a very powerful way to talk about the how. Um, And there are many, like, there's lots of different ways to talk about the how, but you're actually funneling it into very specific responses that people have, and putting it in the context of why they do that, and how they can now restore themselves back into their window of uh, capacity. So thank you so much for your time on a beautiful Saturday morning. And uh, I look forward to talking with you more. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Sandwich Parenting. Visit us at www.sandwichparenting.com for more stories and drop me a line at sherry at sandwichparenting.com.